Welcome. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Live. Yeah, this is not a recorded show. Uh, we're back. <laughs> yeah. It's great to know we're here. And tonight's show is about that. Uh, tonight's show is What's New with AWD. That's us. And I hope that this will sound like an exciting show to you because we're really doing some fantastically new things. And I'm going to tie that into a, a lot of uh, futuristic parts of what I think may be happening in this world, as well as what in, uh, we'll say, practical terms, it means maybe for everybody. So this is a kind of a projective show in the sense that it isn't what has been, it's what I hope is coming. So to begin with, uh, we as a, a group of people who are basically concerned about the, we'll call it spiritual and uh, truthful elements of uh, the world, to try to bring uh, both spirit and uh, God into what we might call all other elements, all other parts of life, especially in some circumstances, the science of the world, so that it represents, as close as we can represent it, what is really the way things are. Now, you've probably heard some of the earlier other shows, but if you haven't, and tonight's your first show, you'll be amazed at some of the things that I'm going to elaborate on. The the fact that we've been off the air so long is not to our liking, but it has allowed us to focus in on some of the things that I'll be discussing. And we were on the rerun schedule, of course, but we couldn't be live because, unfortunately, there was some serious disaster type of things in the California area that led to the station's uh, near demise and reconstruction. And in that process, uh, they've expanded the number of people that they can reach. They've done a lot of important work to improve the sound quality and to make the programs better, which are fantastic. So here we are. And I'm going to start off by giving you some ideas of what we think uh, will be the near future. I'm saying maybe the next few years, maybe up to five years, of what we're going to be doing and what you may have some interest in somehow participating in. Actually, yes, uh, it's going to be up on the uh, on the project board, and you can think about what might be for you or someone you know. And also, this is an opportunity to gain some idea of what the future could hold. No guarantees ever on the future because some things happen that are beyond the control of any group of people, countries, you know, the whole world sometimes. So you can't say this is definitely going to be. But I can tell you as far as what we have been doing, uh, the things that I will be telling you are already happening. So they're not things that are just, oh, we're dreaming about it, and it's been a great dream, and we talk about it. No, we're actually doers. So that's what you're going to be hearing about. So the the first thing that concerned us about all the teachings that have been done, and it's a long time, 
uh, if you count all the time that I've been teaching this, it's like uh, since about 88, 89, uh, moving into uh, 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 19. So, I mean, that's like, what is that? It's 10, 20, 30 years uh, of time. And in that 30 years, uh, I have taught a lot of classes and a lot of people. Now, what is it that the emphasis has turned to now is to combine several different, we'll call it ray focuses, or parts of how society works, uh, in ways that allow people to uh, understand according to their propensity in their life and what their interests are. But a lot of people call it the ray focus of their bodies or that kind of stuff. But really, you could, only, you could have a ray focus and make a choice different than that for your uh, interest in life or what you want to do as a vocation. Or... So it's really about the individual and how they decide to live their lives. And so we're focusing in on education as the primary element. And then there are some art forms that we're pursuing that uh, seem to be in vogue. Uh, I'm not saying they're the greatest art forms in the world, in my opinion, but they are so popular now that to ignore them would be probably a, uh, a mistake because a lot of people are being excluded then. And although I don't consider that everybody who is interested in some of the art that we're talking about uh, is necessarily interested in what we're talking about, I think there's a minority of people that are, and even a minority because of the sheer size of it in the present-day world, we're facing having to pay attention to it. And then we're also paying attention to science. Well, why science? Science and mathematics. Because science is the present and, for the future, model for finding truth. Truth is a part of the virtue that is created in the mental world through mental thinking. And it's very important to work in an area where truth is missing. It isn't that science itself is missing truth in total, but it's missing uh, based upon the individual scientist's prejudices these days, of fortunately being not open-minded enough. That creates all kinds of serious, we'll say, holes in what are should be good scientific theories and good scientific experiments, etc. Uh, eventually, science does correct itself because it's always searching for truth. But unfortunately, it only uses uh, a limited arsenal in that process. It doesn't use advanced concepts very often. And most of the time, it pays attention too much to mathematics, which there's nothing wrong with, but mathematics does not get to the highest concepts. It only reaches about mid-grade at best in some of the more traditional concepts that we're familiar with. In order to get mathematics to work where we need them to work, we have to create a new math, which we're working on. And we need a couple mathematicians, at least one, but hopefully we can find a second one. Because two are sometimes better in this particular situation because one may have a favorite or a particular angle in their mathematical viewpoint that colors too much their thought process. So two can kind of go back and forth if we can find them. And those people 
are probably not working as full mathematicians yet. They may be going to school, maybe they have a master's or working on a doctorate. And this would be one heck of a doctoral study. <clears throat> and what is it that we expect from them? Well, in terms of science and mathematics, in order to get to the truth in mathematical terms, you have to have two things. You have to be able to create formulas that are based upon some new forms of math that I've created. And then you've got to go beyond that, and you've got to make proofs. Now, proofs aren't something that we're going to be uh, fully involved in for very long. And proofs can take half a lifetime to complete. But the formulas that lead to the proofs can be done in a year or two, uh, with my assistance, I think. But the, the point is that that would help a lot. And so that's why science gets involved. Science is the element of truth. And it's the other places we may be going is entertainment to some extent. And you might say, well, what, how is entertainment? Well, entertainment is part of the fourth ray element, which is the artistic elements involved in everything we're doing, including the ideas that incorporate and are part of the areas where we're going to try to create things that people are interested in, both reading and seeing movies about, etc. Uh, the 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 concept of there being some type of we'll call it advanced art is beyond what most people really think about, and but we do, and we're very concerned about trying to bring. Uh, things that are extremely difficult to understand into an entertainment format that allows people to literally watch movies of sorts <laughs> that are programs, maybe 12 one-hour programs to start with, that could be used both in educational institutions, yet at the same time could be put on television, could you go to the theater and see it, or you can go to a lot of other possible places. And the rationale there is that the, the movie itself is entertaining, while at the same time it is also educational. And it fits the need for most people to have some kind of visual explanation beyond just a mental, in-your-mind kind of stuff. A lot of people these days don't find that kind of stuff easy to understand, and they, they want the, the full entertainment element, and so we're including that. Now, I'll, you're going to say, wow, this sounds like, how are you doing all this stuff? Well, I'm going to get to it. Don't worry. It's, it's coming. <laughs> and, okay, so the, um, the conglomerate of everything that I just explained and a lot of others that will be coming is that collectively, if you brought all these ideas that I just suggested together, and if it was even reasonably to some level successful in each one of the areas, there would be a significant change in the consciousness of those people who experience it. That's not to everyone in the world, of course, but those people we can reach who can experience it uh, fantastic, and that could result in, uh, within a few years, a significant improvement in some of the consciousness in some places in the world. And, yeah, there's going to be places that we 
won't have any effect on him, probably. I mean, I, I just don't imagine in some of the more severely dictatorial, communistic, socialistic type of states that, uh, I'm not talking about the United States, I'm talking about, you know, countries, uh, that they would permit this sort of stuff, and they probably won't. Uh, heck, we had enough trouble, and a very lot of trouble, trying to get into England and uh, other places like that, simply because they are uh, closed-minded. That's about the best way I can describe it. A lot of people might argue otherwise, but that's, that's the only thing I experienced in the process of uh, doing that. And it might be very different now with the, uh, the approach that we're taking. It's so, uh, it's so inclusive, covering so many different areas, that I think it may uh, even uh, ring a few bells that were not ringable before and get some people to notice Okay, so what is it that we're doing in a very specific sense? This is the fun part. Ready? All right. Well, let's start with the easiest to understand, but maybe the least important for some people, and that is we're going to focus on a very unique kind of graphic novel series that people uh, might find both interesting from... uh, readership level, and these may be converted into uh, various movie themes, but why the graphic novel? Well, to me, I always call them comic books, and uh, I I don't think I can remember reading one after I was about 10, but it doesn't matter. Today, it's a big deal. Now, why is it such a big deal? Because it incorporates the fantasies and imaginations of the people who are wanting to read about it. Sometimes it brings back their childhood fantasies in life, and sometimes it's just uh, a means of escape from things that they don't like in their life at the present time, and this is a truly an escapist uh, way of uh, thinking. It doesn't mean that they're not interested in reality. It doesn't mean that they have low intelligence. Uh, There's a lot of things that have been said negative about people who are into that. And I think most of it is not true. I think based upon the sheer numbers, over half the movies presently being made come from some form of graphic novel. That's kind of strange to me, but that's the truth. Um, And that's just the movie side of it. The numbers are, are quite staggering. And so for that reason, you know, go with the flow, you've heard that say, we're going to try it out and see. And in the process, uh, we'll find out, I'm sure, a lot about it, more than we know at the present time. Uh, We're hunting for, and if you happen to be one, certainly contact us. Or if you are in school, even learning to be a graphic artist, and that means using digital pads and being able to draw on those into a computer and then make that into effectively a book form, which we call you know, a graphic novel. If you have an interest in it and you have experience with it or you're in training for it, you should definitely contact us. Why? Because you could continue your education or if you're already out of school, you can have a pretty long-term position doing some of this work. And it's really going to be interesting because the graphic novel isn't going to be just a story about anything. It's going to be a story that incorporates many elements of ageless wisdom, uh, things that 
and that, to my knowledge, been in a graphic novel before, and are so interesting that I think there's going to be a fairly large uh, viewership, listenership, readership of this material. I just think it's going to be, uh, it may be the biggest thing we do, even though for me it seems, you know, okay, it's not going to explain everything, it's not going to be fully proven and truthful and all this other stuff because it will be based upon true true stuff but to be fully true you'd have to have the math you have to have science and you have to have other things that we can't make that into a graphic novel because it would be too, too hard to read but we can make it closer to being truly educational in general and so that's our first thing and we've got a studio for that a whole studio just for making graphic novels. And we've got extremely powerful workstations and the best of the best in terms of what kind of stuff you use, which computer, but it's really advanced stuff, to make graphic novels. So that's that's a, a interesting possible situation right there. Then, after that, okay, what else are we doing? Well, we're creating a theater studio in which we're creating digitally created movies, which I described earlier, and those are about how the universe actually is in terms of multidimensionality and uh, quantum physical fields that are way beyond the physical realm uh, as one approaches the highest level of these uh, fields, that there's a sudden change, which changes the speed of light and the quantum constant jumps, and you get all kinds of changes in reality. And that's where you, by the way, that's where we end up after we leave this dimension. So when you die, you don't die. You end up being in another dimensional part of space. And by not being physically connected to your body, but having other bodies that you have connection to, uh, you're freed from the uh, dimension that is the least, the least, uh, we'll say, able to be conscious in, which is where we are right now, where I'm speaking from. So it's a fascinating idea, and the uh, explanations will be told and shown and explained through uh, programs, movies effectively, uh, each one maybe being an hour. I don't know how long people could handle too much of that stuff, but it's pretty fascinating, and we're developing a screen projection system that gives a new type of surround 3D feeling to itself and allows people to experience more viscerally as well as visually what it is that uh, the universe is actually like at different subworld and full dimensional uh, values and uh, experiences and explanations. And we'll cover that in fairly big, great detail so that uh, once a person gets through this uh, watching, we'll say, they will be relatively uh, aware, more aware of a a vastly greater universe than the one that we presently think we're in. No matter how much science they've studied or how much anything else they've studied, this is going to change everything for them, we think. Uh, 
And so that's the reason we're going to such elaborate efforts, because here in this studio, you need to know things that instead of Photoshop and, you know, Acrobat and all those other kinds of things, now we're talking about you got to know Blender and uh, 3D Max and Maya. Now, a lot of people won't know what those words mean, but those are the names of the creation programs that you use. And the creation is part of the process of making this thing, because although I'm going to be green-screened in and teaching in the midst of some of these scenes that we're creating, uh, that doesn't change the fact that the scenes themselves will be completely digitalized. So we need people who are graphically digital artists. In other words, they, they can do digital art inside a computer and use the program's power itself to make drawings, etc. The drawings don't have to be perfect because we're not doing real-life movie-type stuff. We're doing explanation movie-type stuff. And so a human being could look somewhat human, but they, no one go, you're not going to be fooled to think that they're real human beings, other than me or someone else who may be teaching with me in this situation. But it's going to be enough so that people can understand, well, that's how humans interrelate in that world. There's going to, the representation is really going to be good enough for that to take place. And it's exciting. So if you're interested in doing digital art, you know, which is effectively what it is, but you're in a one of the programs that I mentioned, one of those three programs most likely, uh, then that you're potentially a good candidate for us. And if you're going to school for it, that's fine, because we are going to take people who only have hours, maybe 10, up to 20 or so hours a week to devote to it because we realize if they're still going to school, they can't just be sitting around doing our stuff all day long, unless they can incorporate some of it into their educational background. And if you're out of school or if you never went to school, but you're just great at it, contact us because it, we need people. And people who are interested not just in doing the the digital part, but in some of the ideas as well. Because this is going to take enough time so that a person wouldn't want to try to do it if it, they weren't kind of interested in the subject itself. And that's where I suggested it might be a, a potential listener to this kind of show because, after all, if you just go out the street and talk to people who might be, you know, claiming that, uh, and they are actually working for, as a digital artist someplace, doing digital graphics and saying, well, yeah, I know that program. They may still have no interest in the subject. And I think that person might have more of a hard time uh, involved in that, in this sort of uh, area. That's why tonight's show is so important and why I'm here talking about it, right? And so I, it's that's a, a very important element to putting together this whole project, actually. And then in addition, uh, we have a collaboration studio where all the people that are involved in doing everything get together and we'll cover some of how they're putting together their different parts. And everybody can make a suggestion, even if it isn't in their particular area, about the people who aren't are in a different area and doing something different. And that'll even include the mathematicians and other other associates and people that have 
something to do with the project because everybody that's involved can have some important thing to say about it. And that's a whole other studio that we're using for that purpose. Uh, and it's it's well enough. A lot of people say, well, studios usually have some really powerful computers and really important, you know, special equipment. You know, it's, actually, we have that stuff. I know it sounds hard to believe, but we have that stuff. No, we didn't spend $100 million on it. Um, but there are, it's the kind of equipment that if you went into a $100 million studio, you would see. Now, how we did that, that's a whole other story. I'm not going to go through the details of it, but uh, it's actually just like you were walking into a really fancy place and you've got some kinds of amazing kinds of equipment and other stuff that you normally would not see outside of a very high I will say high-priced type of uh, place, which we certainly are not. <laughs> and um, the the other elements of what we're doing are that we have many technologies that some of them will be sold at some point, some of them are being used, and we need people to be able to operate certain kinds of equipment and do certain kinds of other things, uh, and that's uh, that's another place where people may find working with us interesting. And so if you have some interest in doing that, great, give us a call, as they say. And we have a lot of other positions and things that I'm not going to go into too much detail about tonight because I want to talk about some of the physics and some of the other factors that that have brought us all together for this. But I, I want to start the show with this. Now, I was hoping to spend more, no more than about 30 minutes on it, and I think I'm going to just about meet, meet my goal. So these these other areas and other things we need to have done are support, but they definitely are required. And when I think about what this is going to eventually lead to, uh, the process that we're in right now there's going to be obviously changes, and as we learn and we change and become maybe more efficient in some things and say some things that we thought were going to work didn't work and that kind of stuff. But the groundwork that we're doing allows us to make changes extremely quickly that can't be done in most real, quote-unquote, studios that are part of a big company. Because what they do is they lock themselves into a specific project, and they hire people to keep it in a very narrow range. They do this to conserve their assets and money and to not over-budget because they usually have 20, 30, 50 different things going at the same time. We don't. And so we have a different viewpoint on how we're trying to do things that normally aren't going to be done the way we're doing. And part of that viewpoint is that everything we see and try is an experiment that may or may not be completed, and therefore we may have to make a change. And studios are the exact opposite, usually. They usually tend to have very narrow ranges of what they want to have done and what they're willing to pay for. Yeah, it's true that a director or you know a writer may have some opportunity to make some slight changes in this or that, 
But in general, there's there's a very very restricted attitude because of the high expenses per literally per minute per hour etc. in doing anything in that environment. And luckily, we don't have or won't have that much of that same problem. And so that puts us in a different place. So it's not good to judge the word use what we're saying in words studio etc. And, and apply it to everything we're doing. We're much more open. We're much more experimental. And what we're trying to create is an effect, not necessarily to generate huge amounts of money per dollar spent and that sort of thing. Will it generate income? We hope so, because we would then plow that back into doing more of what we're doing. So, of course, that's that's part of the situation. We don't think it's not. Okay. We don't think it, we think it's okay to make money, but we don't we don't make that our first criteria. And it's probably not even in the first few of the things that are criteria. Uh, so we're kind of upside down from most of what people think of as studios, art forms, movies, graphic novels. The whole thing it's almost the reverse from our bigger, friendly maybe, hopefully. Uh, people who are doing the uh, the big stuff, because that isn't what our intention is. That isn't where we're headed. Now, does that mean that some of these couldn't become profitable and make money? Well, sure, but we'll just use that to do more of what we're doing. We're not going to necessarily pay stock and have investors and pay them and so that's generally the way most of the industry that we're somewhat associating ourselves with feels and things. We don't have that. So we're really looking at it from the standpoint we're here to help the world become more conscious and to bring some truth into all the things that I've brought together tonight. Okay, so uh, hopefully if you have any interest in this, you can contact us. And you can go to agelesswisdom.com, and there's a tremendous amount of information on that site. You can use the phone number on there. You can call. You can email. You can do whatever you want. And you can contact us. So, And if you do, you'll get a response. We will say, yeah, we're, we're, we want to talk to you. And I don't care where you are, because if you're in another state or you probably could be in another country with this show on where it is these days, uh, that's okay. But you can't do this kind of work unless you're here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. We're actually in a town called Tempe. You may have heard of it. But and, but it's generally Phoenix. If you can get around Phoenix pretty good unless you're really, really in the bad part of town where it's difficult to drive through because it's too much traffic. So, but most of it's not like that. It isn't like most major cities. It's, it only has a bad rush hour once, you know, every couple of days. And it's like, it's not too bad. And there are certainly places around where we are where you can you can live. So if you were interested, you can even move here, even possibly stay here for a protracted period of time, or maybe just for a short period of time. And if you're already here or thinking about coming here, this is something to consider for sure. Unfortunately, you can't do this from afar because the equipment you need is too expensive and difficult for a single person to usually use. 
Uh, if you happen to have some really advanced equipment and you can do it on your own someplace else, talk to us. We're open to anything. We're, we're willing to hear about it, but most people just won't have it. And just even the screens and everything you use is really advanced stuff. It's fairly expensive. And most people would not even think of having a, a computer system in the in the range that we're talking about to, to use to just to do this sort of work. Plus, the programs in the digital area require licensing. Actually, all the programs require licensing. And it's usually computer-specific. So that makes it very difficult because you would have to have a license for each machine that is not physically in in where we are. That would be difficult to achieve. Okay, so now, now let's talk about what is all this about. Where are what have we pushed forward on in terms of how the universe works? Well. And this will give you an idea of why we're doing what we're doing. The present model of the universe has failed uh, pretty badly in the last uh, five to ten years in explaining almost all of the previously held but only theoretically uh, uh, suggested or proposed ways of the universe working. Those ways were there was things called dark matter and dark energy that somehow are causing all the unknown and strange effects that we could not, couldn't prove would work mathematically, couldn't prove it would be. And then there's all kinds of other strange things happening. The stars have temperatures and their coronas that are hundreds of times, as much as hundreds of times greater than they should be, certainly in the tens of times, or most of them in the hundreds of times greater than they should be, and nobody understands why, and they don't know what exists there, because the elements that could exist there, that we think are there, uh, are invisible to us, because they don't, we can't record them accurately. And I'm going to explain to you why that's the case in a few minutes, but But the point is that everything about astronomy, astrophysics, cosmology is falling apart. Now, I predicted this, and if you've been listening to shows for a long time, you know that I've been saying this. And if you read my earlier books and teachings, you say, yeah, you've been teaching this for 30 years. That's true. But the problem is that the present values and everything that has been decided upon was based upon two parts of physics. The first part, many people are familiar with, is called relativity. And that tries to explain uh, what gravity is like and how it, it relates to things such as perspective and the speed of light and a bunch of other things that are more grossly part of the universe. In other words, big stuff that seem to respond certain ways. Okay? And then there's a second part. Now, (laughs) that's a little more difficult because the second part of physics really deals with subatomic particles and how they interact. And... It's called quantum physics. 
But quantum physics is not just a single physics. Quantum physics is split into a hundred different physics. And most of it deals with subatomic particles. Some of it deals with the connection of the particles across time and space, in called strings. And the, the particle, that's, those are sub-sub-subatomic particles to involve that. And it, it's minuscule, but it's far more accurate than relativity. Relativity explains the universe as we experience it. But it, it, it fails in its description of the universe as it actually appears to be. So that's kind of a goofy thing, but that's the truth. And then um, quantum physics explains the universe on a very, very fine, ultra-small, detailed level, quite accurately. In other words, all the the consistency of the experiments in quantum physics is incredibly high, with uh, almost no failures in suggesting that these literally now thousands of particles particles or subatomic particles or sub-sub-sub-particles uh, are potentially there or not there at the same time and uh, interacting. And the most important part of quantum physics is a thing called the quantum constant, which comes from a guy named Planck, and, you know, Otto Planck. And he had this idea that in the late, uh, the, the late 18th century that wow, it seems, you know, he, he took him a couple of years to even tell anybody because he was afraid he was going to have a lot of pushback. It seems as though something can be in more than one place at the same time. And that kind of makes everybody go, huh? And beyond that, there's a chance that energy follows thought. And so he wasn't going to go too far with that one. He, he swore his family to secrecy on it. But the point is that eventually, eventually, within 15, 20 years, scientists started to experiment with that and discovered that, sure enough, um, energy followed thought. And they couldn't believe that. They said, well, if energy follows thought and energy is what we thought the universe is made of, then thought is the controlling factor of everything. You know. So that created a big stir, and it hasn't stopped stirring. And the issues about quantum physics, are it isn't that they're wrong, they're just incomplete. And I'll complete them to, on tonight's show for you. But they are incomplete at the present time. And in order to complete them, you have to you have to go beyond the dimension of time space that we're in, and that requires a quantum jump in the quantum constant because of a thing called field theory, which means not the field theory of particles, but this is the field theory of thought itself. Everybody thinks it's about field theory is only about mass or particles. And it's actually, it is, that's where it's, the attention has gone because of relativity. But really, field theory should be about the controlling element, which is thought. If energy follows thought, then, whoa, we have to know what thought is and what that field of thought can or can't do. And that's where we come in. 
uh, I have been studying that part of the physics situation since the uh, the mid to late 70s, and then uh, in much greater detail after about 86. And so, and in between that time, I was basically trying to figure everything out. I know it sounds like, well, it took you 10 years to figure everything out. Yeah, it pretty much did, because it wasn't that easy to figure that stuff out. But nonetheless, the most critical element about uh, understanding energy is to recognize that energy is controlled by thought, but only when the thought is greater than the gravity that the energy, which is its own thought, has to just collectively join together. So energy itself has thought. We never think about it that way. It joins itself together. We call it gravity. And the reason gravity is so much related, therefore, to physics is because it's in constant con- uh, constant contest with thought, which is another word for thought is spirit. Uh, that's amazing, right? Thought is spirit? Yep. Thought is spirit. There's some form of spirit behind all thought, except for the thought that's contained strictly within energy itself. And the energy for, of the ener- the thought of energy is just to get together and hang out and be more. It wants to grow in size. Uh, but the thought of everything else is some form of spirit. Some of that spirit is tainted and not very well thought, we'll say. Some of it's evil by our standards. But a lot of it is not. A lot of it is purely closer to its creator, and the creator is ultimately back to a being we call God. But below that being, there are a lot of other beings involved in the process of helping spirit to be more light than dark. Because you can have dark thought, and you can have light thought. Dark thought interferes with other thought, and it causes a tendency towards gravitation. Whereas light thought, enlightened thought, causes the opposite effect. It causes uh, gravity to diminish, and you have more time to do things in, and that's a whole other factor I'm going to get to, time. And all kinds of things change. They just plain change if you're more spiritual and it's more enlightened spirit than not. Does that make sense? Well, if it doesn't, you can pick up a book that I wrote and you can read about it. But the most important part of of this whole factor is that at present, and I say this not with any joy, at present, almost no part of our society teaches, understands, or represents what I just said. Uh, you might say, well, why is that? What, what about the people who are real spiritual, who are, you know, religious spiritual? Well, some of them have come along towards this viewpoint, but most no. Most don't want to get involved with the science part because it, uh, they think it's anti-God, but it isn't. If you think about it, science must be part of God because it's everywhere. So it's part of how everything works. And God wouldn't exclude it. There wouldn't be any reason to do that. 
And so, you know, it, it, it's it, it's a problem just here in our world. There are many worlds where this would not be necessarily a problem. But Earth is a weird place. We've got a lot of things going on here that aren't so good for us. And one of the things that's not so good for us is the elimination of God, because once you do that, you eliminate spirit, and once you do that, you're back to nothing more than a gravity-controlled universe that has a single, seemingly like a single series of minor dimensions put together that's one dimension to you, and it doesn't mean anything because it's not true. It's it's really based upon our inability to properly perceive from where we presently exist at, and our consciousness is too low to recognize it at the level of life that we're living right now. After you die, you go to another world. It's called the astral world by some. And there's seven different parts to it. Actually, there's an eighth, but it's not a place you want to be at. But those parts are really... um, they're, they're, They're places where people's consciousness can actually start controlling the world around them more easily than here. So gravity's having less of an effect. The quantum constant has taken a sudden jump, the, which means that the amount that energy follows thought isn't one or two or more. It's way more than two times greater. It's anywhere from a very minimal three up to 24 times greater. Now, if energy follows thought 24 times greater, that means that gravity is virtually non-existent at the highest levels of this dimension and at a relative scale. There's a small amount of gravity, but it's nothing compared to you. You cut gravity down by 24 times, it's pretty small, really. And that's just the beginning. That's the next dimension, and there's there's five more dimensions where it jumps radically higher, millions of times higher, eventually. And so once you get to those levels, gravity is even not, not there is no gravity. You don't, you don't really discuss gravity. You just discuss the beings there having control over vast amounts of time and space instantly because those beings are virtually by our standards godlike and have incredible abilities, but that's where we're going to eventually end up after a number, a significant number of times going around a wheel of trying to overcome our propensity to, while we're in physical form particularly, but sometimes while we're still even in a higher dimensional aspect, selfish. And selfish, we'll say, controlled by the gravitational elements of the universe and not by the spiritual ones. And it's tough to be here in this physical world and to live a spiritual life. That's a real hard, just a, just that statement is a very hard one to complete. Well, exhibit that in a graphic novel, and that's going to be a big theme throughout the graphic novel. Uh, not quite so much on the educational movie side, but it's still going to be there. And so this is a fascinating, fascinating part of uh, of this new science that we're developing that is helping people to finally figure out how the universe might work. And so uh, since we can mathematically show 
the quantum jumps and know the numerical values for the subworlds as well as uh, a number of other scientific and mathematical formula, it's possible to do the things that I'm talking about tonight. If we didn't know those things, this would be a worthless venture because you have to have grounding in the science, even though we're not necessarily doing a heck of a lot of science in comparison to all the other things put together. But the science we are doing is so has to be impeccably correct or it will not work. Now, how do I know it's impeccable and it will work? Well, because I've done a lot of the science and I've done a lot of the math, but the math has to be completed by people who want to spend their time doing only that, and I want to spend my time talking to you guys and a lot of other things. And That would not allow me that time. It's really a full-time job virtually, and it's certainly for... Uh, a protracted period of time, measured in years, not in in a few days or weeks. And so from that standpoint, from that standpoint, we're really taking the most reasonable course to help people to get where they may want to be, may want to get to. I need to go to a break at this point. I haven't done that in a while, so it's a good thing I was watching the clock. And uh, we'll be back, give or take, in about two minutes from right now. Hun, what book are you reading? It's a novel, kind of, about romance, love, and spiritual life in general. Kind of a novel? What do you mean? Well, it's based on some real-life experiences and even real characters. Some of their experiences are fascinating and remarkable. I can't put this book down. How come the title is Afterlife Love? That's part of the fascination. This book describes the afterlife in intricate detail and even explains why things are the way they're explained. But how can anyone write about or know that? Some of the characters travel out of body to some places that people who've already died also go to. I'm finding it completely believable because it all makes sense and fits into a bigger picture for me. Hun, what happens to these people? You can read it for yourself when I'm done if you want. Better yet, I'll get my own copy so we can discuss it while we read. Let me see. I'll write down the title. It's Afterlife Love by Niles McFlower, M-A-C-F-L-O-U-E-R. Afterlife Love is available in some bookstores and from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com or 480-966-3132. That's 480-966-3132. Hi, everyone. Since childhood, I've had questions about my life and life in general that I couldn't find adequate answers to. Questions like, why am I here? Why are others here? Does the universe have a purpose? And how does that relate to my life? More recently, I've been wondering what happens when we die, especially the reasons why. I'm more of a doubter than a believer in many things, and answers that include the whys allow me to think and figure out the truth for myself. I've been reading a book, Life's Hidden Meaning. This one book contains more answers, including the whys, than all other sources I've read or heard. It's amazing to me that every one of my questions has been thoroughly answered. More importantly, I have found that all of these answers so far have checked out to be true. I hope this message helps some of you in your quest for better understanding. The name of this wonderful book is, again, Life's Hidden Meaning by metaphysician Niles McFlower. 
Some bookstores sell it. I got my copy directly from the publisher at agelesswisdom.com. Life's hidden meaning may enlighten your mind and bring some peace and joy to your heart. back. This is Why Life Is. I'm Niles McFlower. Hey, tonight we have a, a continuation now of what we're doing here at AWD. And some of this stuff is compelling. It's fascinating. It's like right on the edge of what everything new is going to be like, we think. Now, whether we're right, we'll find out. But for right now, that's what we're into. So let me continue on with some of the uh, aspects that we're going to try to convey to people uh, and that we hope that the approaches that I suggested in the first half of the show will be somewhat successful and if not completely successful. Again, the guarantee of success is difficult because you just don't know. I think some things we do will succeed no matter what. But... Does that mean everything? I don't know. We'll hope. We'll try, you know. All right. So getting to the uh, the parts that we're trying to explain that are difficult, when a quantum physics field suddenly changes, it takes zero time. No time is used to move from one dimensional aspect to another. Now, there, that's, that's technically true. There are some contradictions in that because the, uh, the place you're going to is not as enlightened as in relative terms to that dimension as the place you're leaving from in this particular dimension. Only, it's only true that you get to the next dimension in zero's time when you go from the first subplane of the physical dimension to the first subplane of the astral or mental or any other dimension. You have to go to what is known as the atomic level of each of the higher planes. And once you do that, that takes no time whatsoever. You're just instantly there. Instant means no time. Now, why is there no time? There's no time because time is part of space. And once you join time to space, because there is no longer a gravitational uh, interference, which means that you're fully spiritualized, then time, you can do anything in no time at all, provided you go from one atomic level to another atomic level, and if it doesn't matter how many dimensions you go from one to the other at the same time, it's as long as it's from the atomic to the atomic, <clears throat> it takes zero time to travel. Isn't that fascinating? Now, let's say you want to go from the atomic level of the physical dimension. That's where we are. But the atomic level is way above us. It's in the electromagnetic band, but at a different phase than what we measure most electromagnetic energy at. And it's enough out of phase, so it's a really different thing. And when you're at the atomic level, 
which is where some people say ray lords think from. When you're at this, that's just a being that exists there for the sake of helping to make things go right. But regardless whether you believe in that or not, it doesn't matter. We're talking about the physics now. And so if you get to the point where you're at, if you can get to that level, that means you have to, all the energy that is within you has to be converted from dense physical, that's us now, into this super etheric energy, it's called, which is a super electromagnetic energy at a, at a specifically a specific phase different than what we're used to. When you get there, if you want to go to any of the other atomic levels, if you can reach there in your consciousness, which means the spirit part of you has to be able to do this, you then can jump <clears throat> to the atomic level of any other dimension that you can reach at that level of consciousness instantly. Instantly. There is no time. If you go to some part below the atomic level, let's say you go down to the, to the fifth or the fourth uh, astral subworld, that's going to take some time. What, what is the experience of that time is you have to travel through the different elements of light. And it's like a big tunnel of light. But the, the tunnel of light is inverse to where you are. So what that means is that the light effectively seems, the, the tunnel seems biggest where you go into, but the light increases, and the tunnel becomes less and less as you reach the atomic level of the other plane. When you reach the atomic level of the other plane, there is no tunnel connection anymore. You're just literally just there. But when you're in this tunnel, which is really nothing more than the difference in time-space between the fully enlightened part, which is the atomic level, and the part that you're moving into that isn't fully enlightened, you experience this other place, we'll call it, it seems like a place to you, that is a place of uh, the difference in time that is separated from space. And so that period of time, which might only be a minute, that's not that long a period, but that period of time that you're experiencing is caused by the separation of, of time from space, and that causes that effect. But there is none of that if you're going from one atomic level to the next atomic level. So for beings with great capability and consciousness, they could travel through the entire element of time-space and be anywhere at any time in no time at all. That's pretty remarkable. And for we humans, that's not really likely to be possible because human beings, by nature, uh, as long as we are human, tend to have some of our spirit contaminated with some darkness and some selfishness, etc. We like to think that some of us are beyond that, but the truth is that it's not true. That isn't true. By definition, virtually, a human being is something as a being that can't achieve the result. You've got to be superhuman. You've got to be beyond human. And a member of a new kingdom. And uh, those, that's called the kingdom of souls. Different than the fact that we have a soul, it's a kingdom of only souls. And they don't have 
that contains the darkness that's within all human beings. So that you leave that darkness and you become something else. It's a really interesting idea, isn't it? And the physics support this. So when you start working with the physics of it, it I, I, I love this part because the science matches everything that I can describe about it and vice versa. So it isn't like I have to work at trying to figure it out or anything. It's just, it's just, it all supports each other. But we, the thing that confuses people is this quantum shift. The quantum shift means that um, that the constant that controls the the connection between thought and energy jumps suddenly. It doesn't jump in a chain. It doesn't gradually change the way relativity suggests. It suddenly changes the way, the way quantum physics suggests, but that's only been proven for tiny, tiny particles, way below the uh, atomic particles in an atom or so. Or so. so here we have a, a fascinating element to the entire idea of how the connection from one place to another is really supported by the present values in these two different parts of physics. But only when you join the two and recognize what they really are. I don't know of very many physicists who consider gravity part of the thought of energy itself. And I know very few physicists, even fewer, who consider spirit as the part of thought that controls or can control energy because energy follows it. Even though there was a guy named Heisenberg. Heisenberg wrote about this stuff. And he said, he used a lot of math, but he said in his proven experiments, energy follows thought. There's no question about it. And there are other people, Schrodinger and others that did experiments, and all of this came out in the 20s the 1920s, and um, it was dismissed. Why was it dismissed? Because it was too hard to understand, and the implications about God were so strong that you, you almost had to believe in God to accept the science. And so, but most of the people believed in God were rejecting science because science was rejecting them, so rejecting their faith anyway. So you have a battle going on. This can all be resolved. We, AWD, can resolve it. We can, in the next few years, we can actually resolve this. There's enough evidence now, I mean significant evidence from other people, not from, not from us, particularly in astrophysics. That uh, that this is just not the case. That what everybody was thinking was true is not true. All right. So then, what is it? True? That's what they really need to look at, right? So I think we're at the right point for this to take place. And I love the fact that we are teachers of this because right now uh, the thing that we need the most is for education to open up its, will say, closed-mindedness, and to move into areas, particularly on a university level, but everywhere, where 
this is at least incorporated as a possible explanation, even if it's not accepted as absolute truth. And we are trying to do that. We're trying to get that first, possibly at the university level, and work our way down. Believe it or not, it's harder to get it into elementary school and high school than it will be in college. It'll take a decade longer, or maybe two decades, because of progressivism in certain political viewpoints that have diminished anything that suggests there might be God. And it doesn't... It isn't just God that's the problem. It also suggests that human beings are something special and a bit more than what we think of ourselves, but a bit less than what others want us to be. So it's it's kind of like we're in this, you know, contest with with the world itself because uh, human beings, when they're conscious here, are far from conscious. That's the problem. We lose a lot of our consciousness because our senses overwhelm, are overwhelmed by the gravitational energies around us, and our senses themselves are gravitating in our own bodies, and we don't have very good sense. And just to get our senses to work properly is a huge accomplishment, but it takes tremendous amounts of discipline. And if it's not done for spiritual reasons, for godlike thought, then the best you can accomplish is some minor improvement in the way that you can move physically, like play tennis or catch a ball or whatever. But, but it, in order for it to be totally completed, and I'm talking about total in the sense that it becomes a, a part of human beings, it needs to start being taught like at two and three years old. And then certainly part of all, all elements of education, starting from kindergarten or pre preschool, possibly, but, but a very very minor scale of situations. But if you teach a young person, let me give you an example of this. If you teach a young person, I'm talking about young being like under six years old, right, um, that their thought is affecting everything around them, and if they think in ways that are unselfish. It changes the world in some ways, and you make it very simple for their for their liking, you know, for their understanding. You start with that. That is a huge difference than t- saying, don't do that. You're making a terrible mistake, and who said, you know, I'm telling you, you shouldn't do this, you have to do that, and it's against our thing, and that, don't do that because that's against us. That doesn't help children to grow. But if you empower them to understand that their thinking, even at that young of an age, has an effect on everything they are and then on others as well, they start taking more responsibility for their thinking and for their actions. And they start joining thinking and action together. Now, you might say, well, what's so the big deal? Won't they eventually do that when they're some older age? Well, believe it or not, human beings, as on an average, don't start doing that in any consistent fashion until they're 28 years old. And for a lot of people, that's pretty darn wasted life for 28 years. So why not start when they're infants almost? Why, if we did, by the time they reached 10 years of age, where their personality was formed in a reasonably concise way, 
their personality would be trained already to be seeking, okay, to carry their thoughts in ways that are for the benefit of others instead of just selfishly for themselves. And their senses would be a valuable asset that they would try to protect and also try to protect it in others. Now you could say, at 10 years old? Yes, at 10 years old, if you start with a infant and that you bring them up properly, properly being as I'm describing it, by the time they're 10 years old, they could be enlightened enough so that they are more like the 28-year-old than like the 10-year-old of today. I'm not saying that we have all of the developments that happen between 10 and 28, but I'm saying those developments would reach much higher levels and reach new records in in the ability to uh, be, we'll say, a superhuman right here while physically alive. Something beyond what we think of today as being human. Yet, most people, if they were brought up properly, properly being by my definitions, okay, and if this was part of their education as well, so when they're not in the family environment, they're in the school, they're getting the same messages, uh, would respond very well to that, most. I'm not saying it's 100%. We're going to have some that may not. That's, see, because it's individual choice. You, can't, you, can, you can teach, you can, you can try to help, but people still have to make choices, right? Well, within the range of human experience, there'll be a few, no matter what you do, we're going to choose something else. Okay. Well, that's all right. But I'm saying this could obviously change the whole world. And again, so education becomes a, a part of this element. Parenting and family life becomes part of this element. And spiritual life, including some religious aspects, becomes part of the equation. All of it comes together. Now, there's not... There's not a single answer. You can't just say, well, we'll only do this and that should work. No, it really won't. Because we had experiments with that. They called it the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the Explorers. You know, We had all these different kinds of organizations that had some of this built into it. But they also related it to things like survival in the wilderness or learning how to how to do certain physical things in certain ways. Those are, that's okay. I don't, I don't find anything wrong with that. As a matter of fact, as a supplement to the entire process is probably a very good thing. But it doesn't replace the family and educational parts that have gone really off the boards. And it's the reason those organizations have either severely been hampered and have changed to, to not being what they used to be, or in some case, cases they just have gone away. So... We, we look at this and we say, well, what's going on with kids? Well, what's going on with kids is what's going on with the whole world. And our kids are just unfortunately an example of it. They're not, it isn't what, it isn't what they're doing. It's what the adults are doing. And so we've got to become better adults. We've got to become better parents. We've got to become better educators, the whole thing. It is our hope at AWD that some of the things that we create in the educational spectrum, although we're going to start at the university level, but we want to work down all the way to preschool. And the reason for it is because that's where things are really more awry. 
I know a lot of people say, well, it's all in the colleges and universities. Some are not like that. It isn't some. It's probably even the majority at this point. But it's worse than that. When you get to public education, it may be 90% is bad. That's not good. Now you're talking about some horrendously bad things going on. And people are putting themselves, putting their children into public education earlier when they send them to preschool. Because preschools are copying, for a large part, the public schools. They're not going in a private way that is way different. There might be a few, don't get me wrong, but not enough to make a difference. If you're looking for a preschool, think about everything I'm saying on the show tonight, because use that as your criteria. Don't go and say, well, let me see your credentials. or I don't. Be concerned about what they're really doing in that school. What are they really trying to teach them? You know, a lot of people say, well, what about the, you know, the, 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 the various kinds of uh, teachings of uh, preschool teachers, et cetera, that are so popular? But most of them, even the ones that are, we'll say, a little enlightened, do not really address the full spiritual nature of a person. What they try to do is they try to help someone become a little more creative, which I totally agree with. But if you're creating stuff that's just for selfish use and selfish interactions, there's no benefit. If you're creating things to become enlightened and virtuous and helping others to do so, whoa, that's a big deal. Very few of them around, even if it's a Montessori school, and I know a lot of people you know, gravitate towards, oh, it's so creative. Well, yeah, but what are they creating? Uh, a few maybe, like I just described, but most are probably not, and that's the problem. Now, if you can find one that does all the things that I said, Bob, well, that, that's a great place, and you should make a list of all the ones that you know about like that, and maybe we should be, we'll help to distribute it for sure, if that's possible. But we will also be involved with eventually, maybe five, ten years from now, assuming we're still here, okay, and uh, what we're going to do is we will eventually work our way down to that level and try to get the earliest preschools, preschoolers, like two, three, um, to try not just a Montessori kind of creative thing, but into a more spiritually of advanced and into a more, uh, we'll call it, balance between senses and and consciousness approach to teaching. And uh, hopefully we'll get there by helping the teachers as they are in the universities first, that way we're going to be changing things. In. And those people then go out and affect the high schools, grade schools, and preschools, hopefully. So I, it's a big plan. It's a giant plan. And it's local in the sense it's here in the United States, but I realize this show is reaching people throughout various parts of the world. In some places, maybe not, but I, I assume we're reaching a lot of places. I've been told we are. And if that's the case, that's great, because I don't want this just to be one country thing. I, I really think this needs to be addressed on a worldwide scale, but... For each country and even sub-part of a country, there may be specific things that have to be tailored to the people in that area. 
you can't just make one size fits all kind of anything, and especially in what we call ageless wisdom. Ageless wisdom is really the whole universe. I mean, it's like everything. So you can't say, well, we only deal with it this way. We don't believe that. We, we, we're open to all options, provided it leads to light. If it leads to light, we're on board. If it leads to darkness, we're not going to support that. And so that's our that's our goal. That's our plan. Now, getting back to some of the other elements of what we're doing, uh, we have at the present time uh, a major amount of uh, building and advancement in equipment, and we're doing it ourselves. Now, you might say, well, how do you do that? Well, computers are, are a chore because they're made by pretty selfish people. But there's ways around it, and we've made workstations that are about as fast as anything presently on the planet for their size and for certainly for their cost, or the best there is, but for those, for their their full capability, they're pretty far advanced. We know how to make them faster than most people, but also more reliable and make them do other things that most machines can't do right. And so, so we have that, and it goes beyond that. But we're trying to put together equipment that is specific to achieving a goal of change in just not just what we're doing, but could be replicated in all kinds of other places. So we don't want to use parts and things that are so unique and special that nobody else can get them because then nobody else can copy or at least be helped by what we're doing. So we're trying to stay within the normal stuff. And this is different than what we did 20, 30 years ago. We were so far on the edge of fringe of things that the stuff we were doing, we were helping other companies develop products that worked because they didn't have stuff that worked. And so we spent more time doing that than getting any work done. We tried the same project. I want you to know that 30 years ago. Or, well, you know, it's a, uh, 20... Yeah, it was, it's a long time ago. It's at least 25. It's closer to 30 years ago. It's a long time ago. And what we learned is that we couldn't do what we wanted to do without spending all of our time in development of just the just the machinery. And it just wasn't there. Tech, digital stuff was like so primitive and so slow and so impossible to use it would take you a lifetime and plus to to do what we're doing in a year. So we just kind of, we did give up on it. We shelved it and said, well, we'll wait till things change, you know. And things have rapidly changed, as I have predicted in the past they might. And so the, the process that we're in now is to use the equipment that is available, but you have to know how to put it together. So if if you are doing anything like what I'm talking about and you want some help, we'll help you do that. We'll, you can call us, write to us, even though if you're not going to come here and help us, it's okay. We'll help you because we're all in this together. If it's, as long as you're trying to create more light in the world, that's fine. We'll, we'll help you do it. We have, there, we have the te- technological skills to make something work that most people can't even get to operate at all because it's just too difficult to, to do it. And not only that, but we know what the limitations are, too. 
See, a lot of people may think that you can do something that you can't do, but luckily <laughs> we've spent a lot of time finding out what you can't do. So we're real experts at that. <laughs> we know a lot of stuff you can't do. <laughs> Even with the technologies of today, you can't do yet. Uh, we would love to be able to, but not yet. And so we're working within the real world, so to speak. And within that real world, we have found there are ways around uh, making things do what we need them to do without spending, say, a million dollars for one piece of equipment or even 100000 Uh And that's a really big change, that, that ability to do that. And again, we're willing to share that with anybody who needs that kind of information in whatever they're doing, provided it's for some enlightened purpose. You know, We don't want to help anybody steal something or break the law or do something terrible. You know? But we will help you if you have a need for this sort of uh, information. And the other factors that, that get involved with this he said it isn't just a question of equipment, but it's also a question of software. You've heard that story before. Right? And uh, right now, the, the odd thing about the part of the area, one of the areas we're doing is uh, digital drawings, et cetera, uh, which is a, a form of creating a digital world, we'll call it. That in itself has come a long way, yet, despite th that, it has mostly been developed through a program called Blender, which is a publicly held thing. Anybody can go use it, but if you use it, you, it whatever you do with it, it becomes part of the, big pro the bigger part of the picture. So we're going to contribute to Blender while we're using Blender. Everybody that does use it does the same thing. And although eventually we're going to have to go a bit beyond what Blender's capabilities are, at least on one or more machines, uh, Blender will probably do 95% of the workforce. And why is Blender so good? Because it's open. So anybody can use it, and it doesn't cost anything to use other than the fact that whatever you do to it, which will improve it, you don't own. It's part of the world to use, which we like. We like that idea completely. And there's another element to this idea of Blender that goes much further. In the process of what we're doing, we're going to probably change Blender uh, to make it maybe... 25 to 50 percent more powerful and better than it is today. Just us. Now you might say, well, that sounds a little ridiculous. You've got thousands, maybe millions of people using this program, and you think you're just going to be one of the users and you're going to change it. No, I'm not saying it because we're so great as graphic, graphic uh, digital artists. No. I am telling you this from the standpoint that what we're doing with it is so far advanced that it has to represent a new form of science in itself, and that will cause it to have to expand tremendously what it's going to demonstrate. And so 
the characters, the worlds that we'll be building from it will change Blender. I, I know that sounds ridiculous by some people's standards, but it's the truth. So when we're done with Blender, Blender won't be Blender anymore, as it was anyway. It will be... Everybody that uses it changes a tiny bit, but this is going to be a major change. Maybe up to 50% of it will change, maybe 25 Some part of it significantly will change because nobody's ever used it for the purpose that we're using it. And that's what will change it. Now, I can't prove this. The proof will be in what happens, but I'm almost certain it will happen. How do I know that? Because it's a consciousness issue. In order to use the program... You have to be more conscious in, in to, in to solve the things that we got to do to show about consciousness. And that means we're working in other dimensions of greater light. And that becomes part of the program. Pretty interesting stuff. Now, I, don't, I can't really say that's going to, the same thing will happen with uh, either Maya or 3D Max or whatever we use as the final the integration program. But for that, you're not really, all you're doing is joining together. Uh, scenes um, that have been created and putting it into a single uh, single place where it's easier to render it together at one time. Blender is good at rendering small pieces, but when you try to, because of its open architecture and lacking sophistication in its code, if you try to render very big pictures, big, big, gigantic, which we'll eventually end up doing, it doesn't, it slows down, it doesn't have the capability to complete the job, and it may crash before you get the job done, even on the best of equipment. So you're better off taking a machine or two that you pay some money for, obviously, and put, put it through a more sophisticated program that's much more efficient on larger scale renderings, which means bringing together all these different scenes and making them work together. And uh, that, it might even slightly affect those programs, but I doubt it. Uh, but at any rate, uh, it, it could have some small effect on it. But Blender is going to be the one that probably gets the betterment of the situation because of the way we're going to use it. Okay, so that's that's an interesting idea. That that just the most the most significantly in terms of number of people using it program is going to be added to through what we're doing by a significant amount. I don't know the exact amount, but I, I can promise you it's going to be some significant level. And and that's and if you're if going to come here and work with us about this, you'll be part of doing it, which is pretty pretty cool. I mean, you can say, wow, we did that when I was, you know, when we were working on this, that changed all that part of Blender now. It works a lot better. <laughs> That's, you can do all this stuff easier now because we're going to have to do some of that stuff. So you're not going to just be using Blender uh, as it is. You're going to create some things in Blender that Blender wasn't didn't know it could do because <laughs> you're going to make it do it. Uh, very interesting, very interesting. Now, remember, part of our plan is a... Uh, where people are able to collaborate. Now, why are we having a whole studio for collaboration? Because every part of what I talked about so far in the show has got to support all the other parts. 
I know that for a lot of people to say, well, what does a graphic novel got to do with a movie about how how the, the universe works? Because the foundation is the same. And that foundation needs to be handled in ways so there's some commonality between them. I don't certainly don't, don't want us to create graphic novels that are in contradiction to or that have some some will say serious adversity to what we're creating in the digital movies and my teachings and in the mathematics. I want them all to come together and to be able to explain and support how each works for the other and not have some contradiction between them because that would not be a good thing to be putting out one part saying one thing and another part putting out something different. But the only way to achieve that goal is for there to be an understanding between these different people that are working together that they understand what the other side's doing to some extent, other side they're doing to some extent, so that they are working on the same stuff more or less, even though they're doing a different area and it's going to affect people differently. It's still going to be based upon the same sound, the same sound concepts and beyond the concepts into multiple, vast numbers of multiple concepts together that all have to support each other. And the support of those concepts is kind of like another principle in ageless wisdom. It gets into what is known as intuitive development. So in order for the people to become intuitively developed, they have to collaborate together, or they will not reach the intuitive level of development. Why is intuitive development more important than just mental concept development? Because intuitive development takes no time at all in which to complete concepts so your work gets done a lot faster. It leads to much higher levels of light and truth on both scales, more light in terms of the concepts coming from a higher level than the mental world, and more truth from the mental world because it takes the, the areas of logic which are very limited, and the areas of, we'll call it, higher, con- higher mental conceptual thought, and brings them together to a point where they're instantly realized to be truthful, in the mind of a human being, at least. And for other beings, they take it even higher than that. But the point is that this is why a collaboration is so critical, even among people who are doing somewhat or even significantly different parts of the project together. Uh, and you might say, well, how are the mathematicians going to deal with that? <laughs> well, they're part of it. They're part, they, have to, they have to say, yeah, this is what supports what you're trying to do over here. But, yeah, if you want, if you want this being or this, this character, let's say, in this graphic novel to do this or that, you, that's not a good way to do it because it isn't, it isn't supported by the truth of math. So you need to change that character doing it this way or that way or that kind of outcome for it to be consistent. That's where the collaboration is so important. And that's why we're doing it that way. So there's a tremendous amount of change in the people that themselves will be working together. Each Every day will be a lesson in growing yourself. <laughs> besides creating something that hopefully is going to serve the world. I think that's an exciting idea in itself, but uh, others may think it's too much or this or that, but, you know, 
And the other thing to realize about what we're trying to put together again is that everything we do is experimental. So some things I tell you on the show that I'm hoping are going to work, <laughs> I can't guarantee you will actually experience them in the same way after we're done or that uh, we will even continue with them. So everything is open to what we find out and how we decide to move in a particular direction. I want to go into specifics about the movie making for a second. So you are a second, a few minutes anyway, because we're using a new type of projector and special lens, uh, anthropomorphic kind of a morph. It, it changes the spectrum of the, of the digital output, and it causes a... Um, uh, a better, we'll call it, fitting of the pixels to the screens. And we're using four screens. Sounds like a lot. It is big ones. Uh, in the studio that surrounds this whole field that we're building. And each screen is going to have its own set of digital output uh, put into the projector, effectively, that we join together. And the amount of uh, data is is uh, it's extremely high. It's in the range of what the the best that can be done in Hollywood right now. It's really really high, and uh, fortunately there is a specific projector just came on the market that can kind of get close to what we're doing. But the rest of it's going to be done in our digital management, uh, which that's what we're doing is never been done before. We're going to digitally manage. This projector, which uh, tends to spread things out in greater and more consistent detail, uses more of the pixels available to it. And uh, we're going to take that and we're going to put it into four different kinds of spaces, and it's going to be different than anything <laughs> that has ever been tried before. But the result will be that the to our perception, It'll be like you're watching the entire universes of the different dimensions in different time factors and different elements of of what's happening and has happened is is happening what can happen and this this sort of thing uh, has never been tried before because the just the digital creation itself is a huge huge project and you have to be able to figure out what has to be adjusted or changed because it's not on a flat screen quite the opposite it's just like the whole universe is at the present time our part of the universe is really more oblong we'll call it or kind of egg-shaped or not really not oblong but more like an egg shape and it's really circular it's really spherical. All all of the different dimensions are spherical, but they become elongated and changed by uh, the consciousness of of the beings that live in it. And as we can see from what, where we're at in our universe, the consciousness is not that high on average because it's become egg shaped, elongated. And it will go back to being a spherical shape at some point, but that's and we'll show an example of that. We'll show we'll show it as it is and how it can become. 
based upon spirit and consciousness. So it's a really interesting idea. Thought is the best way to describe it, based upon thought. But the, the part of thought that's really critical is consciousness. Consciousness is the giving part, and the remainder of thought is the what we'll call the more creation element to it. And all of it together produces light. It's a fantastic, uh, fantastic thing. And it isn't that hard to understand that part of it anyway. So we're... We're trying to put together the and this equipment that I'm talking about it's just it's just come onto the market, so it's hard to get a hold of, hard to program for it, and we're going to need to do a lot of specialty types of things that I have in my head, but they have to be converted into what the people who work with us can do, and make it as close as possible to what what it needs to be. And so to our visual experience will be like you're really there. You'll be if, if if you were in the actual theater that we're building, it'd be like you're really there. But you could recreate that theater pretty simply with one of these same projectors and and four different screens. You can make make the thing just exactly the same way, and it doesn't cost so much money that it couldn't be done by a school or or any kind of you know, fairly well-off business or whatever, educational place, whatever, and they could do it. They could make. They could actually make this happen and have shows. You can, and I guess you could charge people, or you could just educate people who are already paying a tuition or a fee to be part of something. And it's all affordable. Now, when I say affordable, I'm talking about sub, say fifty thousand dollars. That's affordable. Believe me, in today's world, that's really affordable <laughs> because it, it's in the millions if you're going into, you know, Hollywood or something like that. So that's the amazing thing is what what we're doing for thousands, other people spend millions, and they don't get as good a result, at least than what we anticipate getting. So I thought that was, I, I think that's a, a really interesting factor. Now I want to cover one last thing that we're involved in, uh, one last series of things, and that is that we still are uh, continuing in the uh, herbal, we'll call it, part of our uh, creations. And uh, we have several companies that do parts of it. And what we what we create are formulas for the future. Some of them can actually help people become healthier in many ways different than the stuff that you see on TV and all that stuff. Most of that's just repeats of repeats. It's just it's not things that are really going to make a huge difference in most people. It might make a minor difference. Some of it does, is good for you, but most of it just doesn't make a super change. But the stuff we're talking about does. Because, why does it make such a big change? Because it works on a different principle. It deals with the structure in, in, in ray aspects of, of parts of the human body, and it works off of all the elements known in Ageless Wisdom. If you're familiar with Chapter 7 of License Meeting, it's all about that. And it, these things, we, we've got equipment that needs to be run and used, and we need we need people who are familiar with how to use that equipment. It's a, a, a very specially built tablet press. 
specifically for for us for, for doing the kind of thing we need to. And we created a, a type of tablet that that's specific for what we need to do. But the most important thing is the ability to do the whole part of what's involved with that, which is a lot of tedious and very careful weighing of hundreds of ingredients. There's a lot of stuff to do. It isn't like two or three or ten or twenty. It's way more than that. And everything has to be done to a very, very fine, detailed amount. And so we need some people, a person who has experience with that and uh, who is looking for a change to do that with us and maybe some other parts of what we need to have done, which could even involve uh, some of some of the other areas of everything that I've been talking about. So this is not necessarily f full time to do that. It might be half time, but uh, for the next few years, it'd be solid. It could be a solid half time job. And uh, the other, but it would still be a full time position because there'd be so much else the person would be involved in doing. And this is only one segment of it. And they'd be doing a lot of research and development, but the, most of it would be the final production in the long run. And we need to produce a huge, huge amount of various things. So if you want, are interested in that, you should contact us because we have a whole segment of this large building and, and all the equipment that is going into making this part of it. And we definitely need people who can do that. If you have any kind of construction skills or certain other things like that, for the next few months, we certainly could use that. Someone who knows something just about electrical stuff, we have a need for some, not very much, electrical, but we definitely have a need for someone who has two to four months of their time ready, available in the near future to do some work on creating logic circuits, etc., for uh, solar applications, and uh, it's a kind of a complicated thing. And they'll also be working with me in some parts of the studio, too, for electronics stuff. And so we need someone who's an electronics engineer, not a technician, engineer. You've got to be able to create things. If you've created things, I don't care how you've done it, and it's using logic circuits and you can make things control other things, but you know how to build them to do that, definitely contact us. We're looking for one person to fill that position. And if you're interested in that sort of work and if you have some background in it, let us know. A degree is not necessary, but what is necessary is the you have to have the ability to do the work. And uh, some people have degrees, but they may not be able to have the ability. And some people don't have degrees and don't have the ability, so they can't do it either. But if you have the ability, that's a big issue. But you have to be an engineer of sorts. Whether you have an official degree for it, you have to be an engineer. Engineer means create, not not sit around and fix something. But there are, there are some things we need fixing. You've got to be able to do some small amounts of soldering and desoldering of some things. And do it. That's just minor stuff. But you definitely need to have the engineering element as part of your background because you would have to create something. And then the rest of it, with the, what you'd be working with in the studio, I can direct all that. I know how to build everything that we're doing in there. But... But in terms of this one project that's a sub-project, that needs to be someone who has the engineering background to do it. I can assist, but it's not my forte. So I'm not going to stick my nose completely into that because there's, you know, that's, that's
that's an area that you should have the experience in consistently being able to build logic circuits that work. They're, they're actually electromechanical electromechanical systems that will follow a programming that in, it interacts with a bunch of other things. That's all I can say for you right now. If you know someone who is like that and it's not you, tell them about this show. If you know anybody, anyone who is, it might be interested in this, no matter where you are, um, have them contact us because you never know. And they may love Phoenix, too. If they don't live in Phoenix, the Phoenix area, they may love it here because it's a nice place to live. But remember, this, some of this is a gig. I mean, the, the, the engineer part, if they only want to stay four months, that's probably all that's needed. Uh, some of it's a much long, uh, longer term and some of it's intermediate term. It's up to where that person wants to be and, you know, the job you're looking for. I hope I've covered enough in this show so that it's well understood what, what we're trying to do and where we're going. Uh, this is a, a, a huge, huge project, and uh, it's, it's a little hard to get your head around all the things I've been talking about. One of the things I'm, I'm hopeful, and I want to finish the show not so much about us and what we're doing, but one of the things I'm hopeful is that at some point, maybe two, three years from now, we'll start making a change about collectively. Everybody, everything we're talking about doing, make a change collectively to bring about a significant enough uh, raising in consciousness within the world that most of the terrible, the more terrible evil that has crept in so many places will be reversed. Now, that's a big, tall order, particularly for a planet as dark as Earth has gotten itself. But that is our hope, that we can start seeing at least some change in each one of these terrible places that are major parts of our of society here in the United States, but also throughout the world. Now, and I don't expect that we're going to change places that are uh, highly socialistic or communistic, dictatorial, those kinds of places, and there's a lot of them, and a lot of people, unfortunately, who are under the thumbs of these these horrible groups of people and leaders and terrible people that are running. The only thing we can expect with those people is that given the time and change necessary, first it has to happen in the freer parts of the world, not that every part is so great, and that may even include here in the United States, but the point is that it, the the catalyst for change has to come from the most enlightened parts. It's not going to just suddenly spring up in some country that is comp- completely controlled by a dictator and destroyed all rights. You know, you're not going to go to Venezuela and suddenly discover God. <laughs> uh, not going to likely happen, or Cuba, or any of the other places that we know of that are so terrible. But the thing is that we have to become leaders in this country of a whole bunch of other places that are struggling. But we've got to get it right here 
and in the other free, freer countries before we can expect to tackle the other ones that are so devastatingly destructive. I'm not saying we should ignore those other countries, but there's very little you can do until you get your own house in order. Why is our house not in order? Well, partly because as society has developed in the more more developed countries like the United States, um, there's been a tendency to reject uh, God based upon faith and religions. And an even worse problem connected to that is a development in progressivism, which is really founded by people who are atheists and who seek to drive religion out of everything, basically, God out of everything, uh, but usually have uh, the belief that there is no afterlife, there is no anything. And so they they live in the fear of death, hidden by the need to control others. Now, it's it's difficult to explain this psychologically, but I will try, because I used to treat people... <laughs> psychologically, but the point is that what happens is that they're, they're, they, once you get into that way of thinking, which a lot of people are like that, most of them, yeah, they're, they're a lot in the Democrat Party, but there's also some in every party. And what, what's going on is when they start becoming progressive, meaning that they believe that government and Humans are the highest source of uh, light and life, etc. And particularly government is big for them. Uh, then they have a lack of uh, belief in God. Sometimes they completely reject God. And that causes a very, very high increase in the fear of death. The way they cope with the fear of death is by trying to take from others by controlling them. Now, how do they take? Well, they take by getting others to follow them and to do what they want, which makes them feel temporarily better so they don't have as much fear of death on a conscious level. It's still there subconsciously, and it grows rapidly as they get older. But it, it doesn't change the outcome. The outcome for these folks, who are almost becoming the majority here in this country, which is very scary, um, is that they oftentimes become violent or uh, saboteurs of democracy, or they attempt to uh, stack the deck, and they believe it's perfectly okay to do that because they are right and everybody else is wrong, and there's no God anyway. So the those that have power and control have the right to do what they want with it. And the government has the most power and control, so they try to run the government. This is the unfortunate problem we're facing right now, and what we're doing, AWD, is contrary to everything, almost everything, that the other side that I just mentioned is doing. 
And so there's a conflict that could develop between the two, although we try to avoid that conflict by staying below their control elements. Sometimes it's not not easy to do that, but we have our have our methodologies. The ultimate goal uh, is to enlighten those people, and the only way you're going to enlighten them is for it become overwhelmingly convincingly held by at least a somewhat large number, if not the majority of people, that this is the truth, that God exists and light exists and this and that, like the consciousness controls things. And, this. and when that becomes reasonably prevalent, we can expect that progressivism will start to die because their need to control is the only thing that stands in, that they stand on to be sane and to be, uh, we'll say, uh, okay. And when that is taken away, traditionally they fall apart. They don't fall apart like we're going to kill them, we're going to do anything bad to them. They do it to themselves. They fall apart because they can't deal with their fear of death. And it comes crushing in on them. And then they look for some alternative. And that's the alternative. It's always there. So that's what ageless wisdom provides. It isn't there to hurt them. It isn't there to do anything terrible. It's only there to save them. But they don't, they're not open to that at the present time. But I think that as time goes by, that will become over the next several years, a potential outcome from some of the work that we're doing. We're not aiming in that direction necessarily. That isn't like, we're not going to say, oh, let's just go after those progressives. We're not even trying to do that. But I'm just saying it may be an actual outcome from the entire element of what we're doing. We're out of time. I hope this show has been interesting, and I hope it has made a difference in your life. And please contact us. Go to agelesswisdom.com and take a take a look at us. You know, agelesswisdomdistributors.com, and, and take a look at us and see what you think. And until next week, this has been Niles McFlower for Wildlife Is. <laughs>